Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenant? Specialized Pastor Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Dave Clay. These are the types of questions that I sit around and think about. What made Solomon so wise? And of course, the obvious answer for any of us who have, and those of you who have studied even minimally the Word of God, maybe you didn't even study it, you just went to church, or maybe you had a neighbor who goes to church and always is wanting to come over to your house and talk about the Bible. The Word of God, though, tells us Solomon's wisdom came first by his asking, and supposed, and secondly, because he asked, God endowed. And what did he endow him with? It was virtue and character. Did he have virtue and character? Solomon had virtue and character, but up to that point, again, for any of you who have studied the Word, even remotely attended a Sunday school class, a church service, talked to a neighbor who was a Christian who couldn't wait to share the Bible with you and their testimony, which is commendable, right? That's the right thing to do. They will tell you that virtue and character, Solomon had none until God gave him his, granted him his petition. And his petition was, once again, for wisdom. And what was the purposes of that wisdom? Not for himself, but to take care of the people, to feed the sheep. And lest we forget, he was of his father, David, who was, when he was still small, <laughs> a shepherd tending sheep. And maybe that did make him a man after God's own heart in a literal sort of way, but I know David was a man after God's own heart, again, because I know the Word tells me that, and that that would include taking care of sheep, not only sheep, as in ba-ba, literal, but that would be God's sheep, Jesus' flock, uh, who was yet to have come and was yet to come, but at the same time, David wanted to take care of the sheep which is the same motive as Solomon, which has probably put them in that category, which has probably resulted in God putting them and letting us know he's put them in that category of being a man, and it could be a woman, after his own heart. But to do that well, (laughs) have wisdom, what made Solomon so wise? It wasn't anything of Solomon. It was all of God. And what was it that he needed to do then unto himself, if anything, even as it were all of God, was to realize it wasn't going to be him. If he was going to be wise, it wasn't going to be because he was wise. It was going to be because God gave him wisdom. Now, can you walk in wisdom? I think so. Even as now in Jesus with the advent of Christ whom I shouldn't need to remind you, but will. Solomon did not have that level of access to as the Holy Spirit had not been so liberally distributed as he has been or was when Jesus came and 
died and crucified on the cross and was resurrected so that we might have the comfort of the Holy Spirit who is the source of not only comfort, but all knowledge and understanding, virtue and character. It's not ours. It's not of human construct. It's not our wisdom. It's God's. Who did God create us after in his own image? And what was his image? Certainly, as with Adam and Eve, it was as much the human form But more so, it was the Spirit. (laughs) What Spirit? The Holy Spirit. And thus God gave Adam and Eve, and we all had access to the Holy Spirit. But the vessel (laughs) that God put his Spirit into was not yet sanctified in the way it needed to be. The virtue and character (laughs) that God forgave us all, Adam and Eve, and now secondly breathed upon Adam and Eve or into Adam and Eve, the breath of life. Secondly, it's now come again through Jesus Christ. How do I know that? Because I went to Sunday school class. I attended church services and I have read the word. Old and New Testament. Old and New. New and Old Testament. I think to get the complete picture not for the sake of salvation necessarily because Jesus is salvation. But to understand, again, it's all logistics, folks. To understand there is no virtue and character. No place of indwelling or habitation for the Spirit of God to fully rest, I want to say, in. Not upon so much, but I guess it could be upon, as with foundation. Then it would then be God. His word is virtue and character. Living word is Jesus Christ who breathed again that breath of life or restored that in us to the extent that the Holy Spirit then speaks to us. Jesus speaks to us through the Holy Spirit and once again takes us back to wisdom. And I do think you can walk in that I guess without this too much disruption, but there will always be a conflict. There will always be a need to make sure the vessel is sanctified, make sure that the humanity is placed in proper ratio or proportion to the spiritual. And therein, when the Holy Spirit speaks, we cooperate. We ask God for wisdom and He gives it liberally. I think that's James. Uh, Bible. It's not withheld. God does not withhold wisdom. We need to not only ask for it, but understand that's our responsibility and probably ours, the only responsibility we have, is to know that we need to ask for it and to be willing to say, I'm wrong. I don't see it. Clearly enough, I don't know it in the dimension or all the ways that I need to, to make the good decision. Uh, I am blinded by my (laughs) narcissism, my subjective element. I don't like pain. I run from pain. If something is threatening, I want to fight against it. I want to beat it up. If, If it seems like it's going to kill me. 
even if killing me is really what I need to do, needs to be done, needs to allow to happen, so that I might then be what I need to be in Christ. And I'm not talking literally, although literally the flesh has to die, but for the sake of the podcast today and not chasing too many people away too early or too soon before the point is made, die to yourself or die to self or have self die so that you can dispense with all the false virtue, the antichrist stuff of the flesh and of then the devil as he would then use that to manipulate you, uh, tempt you. Uh, God doesn't. (laughs) It's you giving place to the devil. But the struggle is a constant one. We get dirty and we need cleansed, cleaned, sanctified. And the word does that. But it would be only for the sake of logistics. It would not be for the sake of me or you being perfect. We're not going to be in that sense thinking, well, I just need to get this right or that right so that I might then be able to make these decisions. I just need to get enough word. I need to read enough word. And for the record, you can't read too much word. I need to pray more. For the record... You can't pray too much. I need to fellowship with other believers. For the record, you can't fellowship with other believers too much. But all of those things really won't sanctify you. It will just seem right. It will just give appearance that, oh, now I can make all these decisions for myself. And I can be wise. No, Solomon, the wisest of before Christ, all possibly all men, even so the wisest of all kings, even so, even in that bit of a shepherding role, and I know he was not priest, he was not of that sort of task or of that purpose. But he did judge the people, much like those that had gone before him, including Samuel. (laughs) I'm going to read out a second Samuel today. And I'm going to speak to, it's chapter 7, speak to David, (laughs) not Solomon. But remember, David was Solomon's dad. And I'm going to begin with, Oh, let's see. Let's go with verse 1. And it came to pass when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me an house for me to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent 
and in a tabernacle. And the key, <laughs> key verse here is five. Go and tell my servant, and I'll try to make sure I get the inflections right here. David, thus saith the Lord, shall thou build me an house for me to dwell in? <laughs> and I go up because inflection-wise, because it's a question. Now, God's speaking to Nathan the prophet, and Nathan will then eventually speak to David. And Nathan is the holy man, and David doesn't presume himself to be holy. How did he learn that? Because Uzzah dropped dead when he touched the ark, and he was sorely reminded he was not sanctified clean enough to touch the ark. Now, was Nathan clean enough to touch the ark? Presumably, at least enough in purpose or to the end of purpose and role that God spoke to him and Nathan was hanging out with David in a prophetic dimension suggesting that David needed some continued assistance when it came to making judgments. And though Solomon was for a time quite capable of making those judgments, possibly that might speak to what happened to Solomon. He fell into apostasy because he didn't hang out with, he didn't pray, he didn't read the word in, a, in an application. He knew the word. He's the source of all wisdom. And there's a lot of word in certainly Ecclesiastes, his contributions to Proverbs. Solomon was wise. But he was wise kind of again in a literal sort of way, in a virtue, human virtue and character sort of way, and was only, I think the word is endued, 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 endued with Holy Spirit because he asked for it. And at the moment that he asked for it, he was logistically prepared in such a way to receive it. Now, did it come unto him? It came unto him in an awareness sort of way. Did it come unto him? The Holy Spirit. When he asked, yes, it came unto him in a wisdom application sort of way. But this is the same guy that had his brother killed because Bathsheba, his mom, had come to him and his brother wanted to be king and asked him for mercy and grace. And then he got mad at her and he had his brother killed. Now, that does not sound like logistically the kind of person that's going to be endued, I think is the word, with the Holy Spirit. But don't let that deceive you. <laughs> because I do believe as much as the Holy Spirit came unto him, the Holy Spirit was already in him. He was just grieving the Holy Spirit. And in that, he was more inclined to operate out of his human dimension rather than truly understand the one only way... <laughs> to the divine was to remove yourself from the position of priest and king. You cannot, now we get back to Saul, you cannot, who preceded David, who cannot, who preceded Solomon, who can, and didn't, nobody came until Jesus. <laughs> and did both these things. You can't do that, last podcast, of yourself. You can't be priest and king. You need 
Jesus. You need a Lord and Savior. You need an intercessor. You need someone. I say this with all confidence, don't I? (laughs) I'm preaching to you. I'm really preaching to me too. It's not I don't need. I'm just being very dramatic and emphatic. You need Jesus because you can't do this of yourself. It's impossible. It's not possible. You can occasionally find yourself in the right position logistically, even as those that went before Jesus, even as with the prophets, to receive and be endued with the power from on high, Holy Spirit, in spiritual dimensions and therein fullness of those, but you cannot sustain it because you can't see yourself out of your humanity. You can't judge yourself out of your humanity properly enough to be able to rightly apply God's judgments to others. You'll be a hypocrite every time. Why? Because you can't do it out of your flesh. We need the Holy Spirit not only to occasionally show up when we get the house ready. (laughs) Oh, I'll come to Jesus when I get my house ready. I'll go up in front of the church and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And if it's not the church, then I'll ask the sinner's prayer. I'll say the sinner's prayer and I'll ask for But I'm not there yet. He's not going to accept me or receive me. That's not true. Jesus accepts you and receives you. I know that by word. Sunday school class, church. Where you are. But even so, behold, I stand at the door and knock. As Jesus says, it's not really so much that transactionally he needs to get in as much as you need to remove whatever the barriers are so that you can realize he can be, he can dwell in you or is dwelling in you, the Godhead, even as Adam and Eve was endued with the breath of life, which is, in my opinion, the Holy Spirit. So to Jesus did that and brought unto us a refreshing of the breath of life. But it would not be that the Holy Spirit wasn't there. He continues to pray for us even while we're yet in our sins. Even while we still didn't know how much we needed Jesus. Even while we were still getting ready to be good enough to enter into the king's house in the presence of Jesus, Jesus came to us. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. But once we open the door, it's not literally allowing him in as much as it is acknowledging, oh, there you are, Jesus. You wanted to be preeminent. You wanted to be not only the king of my life in a material sort of dimension, Your mind, Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, as in New Testament. But God's already logistically begun to prepare me for the day that you will come and and pass by. The awareness, the insight, we'll get to that in human terms. We'll get to that point, the discernment in human terms, that I know I need you. And then I will die to myself. And so forth. Such that you can take over my life. 
I will give you rain over my life. I will lay down my life so that you, Jesus, might take it over and I might now receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the breath of life that is already in me, not so much just for today, but eternally. That's the big promise. But the idea is that we were never separated from God except that we, in our humanity, created division. And the devil just manipulated that. Your human soul fights with God if you do not lay down your life in acceptance of Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you will not understand the full blessing of that. You may try to clean yourself up. You may read the word. You may go to church. You may do all that virtue and character signaling, as we so, in a derogative sort of way, call it today. But in the end, it won't matter. Why? Because you're not doing it out of the Holy Spirit in you. You're doing it out of yourself. This passage speaks to that. David had a dilemma on his hands. He was trying to get the ark first to Jerusalem. And then, secondly, he realized, wait a minute. There's still something that needs to be done with this ark. Now, where is the ark today? If we had time in the podcast, I'd love to get into that discussion. Maybe we'll devote an entire podcast episode of the podcast to, again, asking that question. Where is the ark? It's one of those questions that you you can go through the channels on television if you should still get your programming that way. Uh, and there will always be something on about the, on the History Channel or Discovery or something like that about where's the ark, where's the ark, where's the ark. And it's interesting. They can't find it. They don't know where it is. I'll tell you where it is. There is no ark except what otherwise dwells in us and we then become the ark. Now, that may seem bizarre, but even as... I read this passage, and even as God was telling Nathan, and then Nathan eventually told David. It wasn't that that was the end of it. That was a translation that Nathan could understand, and that Nathan then could take to David in objectivity. And remember, Nathan was the one that called out David on the whole Bathsheba incident, where he had Uriah put in a position of being killed. But David was transactional still at that point. The world was transactional still at that point because Jesus had not come. And the actual translation needed to turn into transfiguration and had not really occurred yet because Jesus is the only way you can take flesh and turn it into spirit. But in that sort of a way... You were spirit first, and then God created your body out of the dirt, the material dimensions and elements. And that's all that human construct is. It's a construct. It's not eternal. It's not the thing of life. It is a manifestation of life. 
But it's no different than any other manifestation of life, except we have an opportunity, (laughs) whether it's Nathan or now it's Jesus, to understand what God was trying to tell David through Nathan, what David was starting to have an insider awareness of, is that God wanted to reside in him. <laughs> he was still so transactional that he couldn't see that in that way. We don't need the ark. The ark is in us. It's been in us all along. We just needed a representation of that, something projected out there that we could then say, oh, well, that's it. Until we begun to realize the only reason that we even had a, a, some knowing of what that was is because the Holy Spirit was taking the very thing that was in us and he inspired the word and the wisdom therein that we find in the word. But the wisdom isn't the word. The wisdom isn't even the manifestation of word. It is. It's Jesus. But that's even transactional in that same way that Jesus could be seen as the ark in some ways, or the high priest of the prophet. But that's only for the now, while we're still in our flesh, when we get to the then, as in spiritual dimension, we'll begin to realize, even so, the messaging isn't that Jesus is the end. The messaging is that Jesus is the means to the end, but he has already seen the end from the beginning because he is God. And please don't get this wrong. I don't want this to be misconstrued. I don't want to misrepresent that Jesus is Lord and Savior, but the time isn't finished yet. But he is passing by. He's knocking on the door. If your heart's being stirred, open the door. Discover that he's already in you. And should you still need it transactionally such that he would come into you, making sure that you're not doing this out of yourself and your flesh, okay. He's not come a second time again. It's not time yet. It will one day be time. Your time, though, will be up when you hit death. No corruption is going to enter into the heavenlies. It's not going to happen. So all the things of your flesh, literally so, as with flesh, is going to pass away in the same way the ark passed away. In the same way even Jesus was crucified, he had to die so that we could see the resurrection of Christ. And though we could still see Jesus, and the name of Jesus is powerful because it implies that we are seeking him, asking for him, him yet to fully see the totality of Christ in our life as much so the hereafter of our life still through a glass darkly (sighs) sorry we're still seeking that but it's going to pass away because it's not the end the end is getting into the presence of God and realizing all of the stuff of our humanity Wood, hay, and stubble, earthquake, wind, and fire, it's subject to the natural elements. And it doesn't matter to the extent that we don't get in the way of all of us, any of us, having rightful access by Old Testament word, New Testament word, word, living word, unto renewal of the Holy Spirit and the life that that brings by breath, the breath of God, the breath of Christ upon us, 
We don't want to get in the way. Certainly, the devil would love it. Not only of our own coming to Jesus and understanding this, but anybody else. Don't build your kingdom on earth. David was still in a construction phase of his kingdom. Is it wrong? No, but that's immaturity. We come to find out. It's not about that, David. It's about realizing the kingdom of God is in you and you are just but a manifestation. There is an in doing, in, in doing, I'm going to get that wrong. I have to look it up and I'll probably even said it wrong the whole podcast. There is an indwelling of the Holy Spirit that shows manifestation. But don't be confused. It's not building a tabernacle for God of cedar. And God did that for David because humans are, unfortunately, it's the way of the world, relational and natural world. We're all transactional. But if you really want to receive the Holy Spirit or you want to receive the blessing of the Holy Spirit in the fullness of that operation, if you want to know love in its fullness, you have to take the conditions off of it. Conditions are not bad. Conditions drive most of the material existence, and particularly with those who are lost. They don't understand anything. They don't have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. They didn't ask for it, as with Solomon. They didn't ask for Jesus. (laughs) They didn't come to an awareness, even as David. And David was going to build God a house, but God was trying to tell him, did I ever ask you to build me a house? And though you could say, well, but God does say that, you know, tell David it's okay. And whereas I have not dwelled at any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. I don't think God was lamenting that. I think God was trying to say, David, make the connection here. I've been in you all along. You just didn't realize it. Your humanity, your flesh, the knowledge of the world, what is antichrist, what the devil wants to try to trick you into believing is wisdom out of your narcissistic, your prideful, it's all subjective, it's all corrupted by inadequacies of the flesh, human operations, thinking, understanding, taking in all data, being it's none of that is going to come from humanity. It is a gift of God. But if you understand that the logistics is to know what God wants, and then when it comes time, lay it all aside, all the other stuff, the humanity stuff, so that you can then be filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you stay in that? I think so. I don't know. You'll still have a struggle. You'll still need to clean up the house now and then. Literally, hopefully you clean your house. You'll have to clean your body. You'll still have to clean, be cleansed in that way. Your brain, your mind, your ego, your pride, your identity, your sense of self. All of that needs to be cleansed, sanctified continually through all those things. The word of God, prayer, assembling of yourself with the brethren. But at the same time, If you do that daily, you don't get too far out of step with God. And if you do it daily, the devil, the stronghold, it's much easier to take care of it. I know it's a bit of a personal opinion. On a daily basis, rather than just let it build up, build up, build up, and then go in and try to clean it out. You can do that. 
You can be cleansed in that way. But why would you deny yourself? Why would you want to live in a dirty house for months? Just because you don't want to clean it every day. And then you're going to spend days, maybe weeks, trying to clean it. I just prefer to get it done daily. That's a preference. I know people who don't think that way, though. You know, we'll just let the thing ride until we have to clean it up. And then we'll paint over it. (laughs) Just tear it down and build a new thing. I understand there's merits in that. And that's all transactional to conditional. But I don't think that's what God wants when it comes to love because he just wants to always come and go. <laughs> the door should never be locked. But expect when you open the door and you really allow then transactionally, you say, I'm going to lay down my life so Jesus, you can take it over. Jesus, you're not only the king of my life, you're the priest. In you, I find both. I find ruling, ruling judgment for the world rule. For the worldly, but I also understand more so I find salvation for my soul. And what is that? It's the part of me that otherwise is still one with you, in you, with God. I experience the fullness of the love of God manifest in Christ Jesus, but there because the Holy Spirit is there. The logistics just places me in a position of receiving it. Should I think of it that way? And cleaning is logistics. Reading the word is logistics. There's foundational things to it. You know, the house that's built upon the rock and the sand and, you know, all of those things that we know are in the word. But the practical application is that's all our responsibility if only so that we remove ourselves. <laughs> and should you empirically need some sort of something to prove why you need to do that, then it's a constant awareness to insight. Don't lose your awareness because the other side of that, of the need for Jesus, not only for salvation, but on a daily basis, the other side of that is deception. The devil, he's the father of lies. Oh, you can do this. Or the other side of that, you know, you can't do this. You might as well just go ahead and give up. He doesn't care. If you fall on your own sword and kill yourself because you have proven that you're an inadequacy and, oh, I just got to get better before I can come to Jesus and enjoy that. Or in that other way, oh, I'm smart enough. I don't need Jesus. I could be agnostic or atheistic. I don't need him. Both of those are wrong. You need Jesus, you can't do this of yourself. Now, what's this got to do with specialized pastoral care, Christian counseling? Everything, because this is the basis of it. You need Jesus. But if you're prepared logistically, I'm prepared logistically, we come together in that counseling session, the Holy Spirit will have his way, and we will both See the evidence, not only the Holy Spirit, but what he wants to tell us with wisdom. And nobody judges you. You are subject to God and his judgment in that scenario. And with that, you should be able to hear him as much as you would hear me and take his instruction. The ark is in you. (laughs) You just have to remember where you put him. Or if you've never really acknowledged, just acknowledge. You need a Savior, and all of a sudden, Jesus is going to show you. I'm here. Behold, in a material regard, you open the door and let me in. But 
surprise, I've been here all along. And I've never forsaken you, never abandoned you. I've been with you all along. You, in your humanity, just couldn't see me. You chose not to. And aren't you glad that whatever brought you to me, an awareness, Jesus might say, aren't you glad that it did? God wants to dwell in us. That's where the ark resides. You don't need Nathan. You don't really need me. You do need the word of God. But in that same sort of way, if you're at a point like David was and you need a Nathan to kind of speak to you in those terms, I'm okay with that. It is transactional. But the deeper your relationship goes with Jesus and the better your understanding of the foundation of it and how much you are one with God in Christ Jesus in the Holy Spirit, there'll come a day when you don't need me. (laughs) And that we should celebrate, right? You might have a bad day now and then. It might just need some encouragement. It's like John, the, the Baptist. He sent his folks to Jesus and said, are you really the Messiah? Well, of course, John knew that Jesus was the Messiah because he baptized him. He heard the voice. He saw the dove. He just was in a dire straits at the time and just needed some encouragement. You may need that, and that's okay. But Jesus is with you all along. He's never forsaken you, never abandoned you, period. You just need to open the door and let him in. And that's my message. If you come see me at Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry on the podcast, or if you should want to reach out, 304-528-9220. You can catch us at covenantsonline.com or on Facebook at Covenants or covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com. And once again, you're always welcome to come back to the next podcast. I want to wish you the very best of godly word <laughs> and with that the blessing that follows and i just sincerely want to say thanks god bless you